right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Fearcast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum, and getting your life back. I'm Kevin Foss. I'm your host uh, for the show. And thank you all so much for joining me. This is a question and answer based podcast where you get to ask questions to me about OCD, anxiety, all that stuff, how to work with it, how to overcome it, how to, how to fight anxiety, how to fight OCD, and how to try to, as I mentioned, get your life back. Uh, if you have questions and would like those questions to be on a future episode, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can send a message to me over there. You can also send me a message over at Instagram. I am fearcastpodcast over there. Uh, as I've mentioned before, you can put together an audio question. So if you record it into your phone or into your computer, uh, send it to me over at uh, Instagram or send it to me, uh, send a link to it over at uh, uh, fearcastpodcast.com and uh, that will get to the top of the list. Um, again, I, I just think your voices are so much more more interesting, so much more compelling uh, than my own. And uh, I think it just reinforces that this this show is about you. It's about you, the listener, not about me, the ridiculous uh, therapist with the, the fancy microphone. So um, everybody, this episode is coming out late. Um, I don't know when I'm going to put this one out, but I, I went to the IOCDF conference in Denver this past week uh, weekend, and um, I say week because I'm telling you, it felt like a week. I think it was only it's only three days, but oh man, <sighs> it was exhausting. It was it, it was a lot of fun though. It was a lot of fun to see people I I, I haven't seen in a very long time, uh, to see uh, or to to meet all sorts of new people. Um, I, I met a ton of fantastic uh, therapists, fantastic uh, people, fantastic advocates, um, and, uh, and and fantastic listeners. To all of you who who listened to the show and came up to me and, and said hi, uh, it, it was so much fun. It was it was a surprise. It was odd. It was fun. It was weird. Uh, all of those feelings all wrapped up into one. It, that's that's how it was. So uh, so if I if I met you and shook your hand or said hi or fist bumped or whatever we did. Uh, I, I, it was so nice to meet all, all of you. I, I couldn't name everybody, uh, so I won't try. But um, but uh, from the, the the weekend, there should be a, a couple of really interesting and really fun interviews coming up. I was able to chat with some people, uh, and they agreed to be on the show in future episodes. So, um, so much information uh, to be had, so much information to try to pile in my head. But I'm telling you, I'm just trying to work work myself back into reality of life, even though I'm exhausted. I think I'm doing it. I don't know. So either way, be on the lookout for some fun, interesting episodes in the future. Um, so we're going to jump into this episode in just a minute. Um, I, I'm, I'm also trying to wrap my head around today around this podcast i i've discovered in in the past couple of weeks i but you really i've known this my entire life i have a, a problem a significant problem and that problem is beef jerky it's really good if you find the right if you find good beef jerky it's it's amazing uh the problem is and i know this but i forget this but i it's in my head i need to remember this but it just falls out of my head that it always gets stuck between my my back two teeth particularly in the right side and on the top so those back two teeth there's a bunch of beef jerky just like kind of just jammed up right between them it's really uncomfortable i can't i can't get it out i've tried 
have no floss in my office. So I'm going to be distracted today, so I apologize. But um, but that's where I am today. I hope you are all doing better than I am today uh, in, in that um, uh, in, in that or to that point or to that degree, whatever it's supposed to be said. See, I'm distracted already. So we're going to buckle up for this episode, everybody. So here we go. First question. This first question comes from Kay. Kay says, I am a 22-year-old female struggling with HOCD. So uh, HOCD, uh, also known as SOOCD, so sexual orientation OCD. So again, people will flip-flop back and forth. There's a strong drive at the IOCDF to start using sexual orientation OCD. It is indeed more encompassing. It is wider and and gets at more of the specific, uh, it gets at more issues, more um, ways that it can manifest than just simply saying HOCD. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about the subtypes. This is nothing that Kay is saying. This is now me saying it. There's there's something to be said for and against the, the subtype usage, and maybe that'll be a topic for discussion um, in later episodes, but um, I, I digress. All right, back to Kay. Uh, she says, uh, something I struggle with is seeing quote late bloomers saying they have saying they had no idea about their sexuality until they got older. It scares me to think that I could have just denied this when they talk about their childhood behaviors that they look back on and see their sexuality manifesting. It scares me. I know I watched videos uh, of same-sex kissing uh, as a child because I thought that it was interesting, and I, I experienced arousal before I knew what it was. I try to remind myself that my childhood behaviors are not indicative of anything. She puts that in caps. Um, I, I used to want to date my male cousin. I like to I like to steal little things, uh, and I had no friends. I, I'm neither incestuous, a klepto, or, or disliked now. Um, but it's become a trigger for me and I keep wanting to look for certainty about it. How can I grow from this? All right. Okay. Great questions. And I'm sorry to hear that you're struggling through this, but I, I actually think that you have some great awareness from the start. One, you're recognizing that you have some of these things from your past. You, you, you keep looking back at your past to find evidence for asexuality for a sexuality that you fear might be true you you hope it's not true so you're looking back at evidence and you get stuck it sounds like in these uh in this in this evidence your brain's giving you see you watched two people of the same sex kissing you were intrigued by you watched it and and yet oh oh and and sorry back to the voice and you experienced arousal i don't know where that voice is coming from anyways so you, you your brain goes back and gives you this evidence and suggests see this has got to say something but then you look back at these other things. You look back and uh, and you go, oh, I, I once had a worry that I was attracted to my male cousin. I would once like to steal things. Uh, there's someone right outside my window with a, a leaf blower. Of course they would do this. Of all, all right, okay, we're, they're walking away. Hopefully it will get quieter. So then you look back at all this evidence and you also recognize that while those things were there, you say, I'm neither incestuous, a klepto, nor disliked right now. So in other words, 
things happen in your past that are not then indicative of who you are. While we do say past experiences are the best uh, uh, predictor for future experiences, what you're also talking about is is the you know some of these things that you were afraid of, or some of these things that you had done, or some of these things that that, that were part of you, or that that you were taking part in, don't define you now. I think what that can really say is not all incidences, not all experiences are predictive of who it is that we are. There are a lot of these things that are going to be consistent in who it is that we are and what it is that we're, we're about. But you're also saying this, you're ruminating about it because you're terrified of this thing. Generally speaking, we are not or we do not become the thing or we are not the thing that we fear the most. OCD tends to grab onto the thing that we care about the most and suggest then that that thing that we, we, we trust or that we believe is, is central to who we are ultimately isn't. So that's what raises that doubt. In the back of your mind, you go, I'm straight and into dudes. And then your brain goes, but are you? And then you go, who is that? You don't think I am, but I am, aren't I? And then you're off to the races. Right. What's frustrating is you hear these stories about late bloomers, and these stories are very few and very far between. But that's all that a, that's all that uh, uh, OCD needs as evidence to say well, it's got to be true. It happened for that one person, right? Remember that OCD does this. It makes us abandon the most likely outcomes or the most likely scenarios in exchange for this very slim possibility that something could be true. Okay, so so in terms of how, how you can best deal with this, I, I, I wonder if the best way to approach this is ultimately accepting the uncertainty about the future and what these stories mean about you while you pursue the relationships that, that you feel you want the most. So in, in the process of pursuing relationships with it, that in your most, maybe most authentic self, like when you kind of get back to that like moment of clarity, you go, all right, I'm, I'm kind of into this person, great. Or if you're saying, you know, I, I, I want this to be true about me, then go pursue that in the best way that you can, in the most reasonable fashion that you can. Resist the urge to go back and look for all this evidence that speaks against this this thing that you believe to be true about yourself. Resist that urge. You've gone down that path. You've ruminated over and over and over again and haven't gotten to an effective answer. And then in that entire process that you're pursuing the partners uh, uh, that, that you find uh, or that you want to pursue, be open to the possibility that you've made a mistake. And... Because we're not promised that we're going to know everything. He said, how do I grow from this? You grow from this in walking forward with uncertainty. It doesn't mean that we live life and go, I don't know who I'm attracted to. I'll never know. Maybe this person, maybe that person. It's kind of this existential aspect where we go, you know what? Things may change. They may. But I don't get privy to the future. I don't know what's going to happen, how I'm going to change, what's going to change. And also, I don't need to know. I don't, and neither do you. None of us needs to know the future before we go into it, because we are going to eventually find out when we take steps towards it. Take steps towards the life that you want, Kay. What is it that that's going to look like? Who is it with? What types of people is it with? 
It doesn't mean it's the right one. Capital R, capital T. Should have said that in reverse. Either way, the right one. We don't know, right? You've made mistakes before. I've made mistakes before. I'm going to make mistakes again. I just talked about my beef jerky mistake I made earlier today. I'm going to make more later on, probably. The point is... Be open, to, be open to maybe this is the one. And you can write scripts about this, and you can meditate on that feeling of uncertainty and say, oh, this feels so awful. But my feeling of uncertainty and my fear about the future isn't a fear of something that's actually present or a danger that's actually here. It's a potential future. That's what you're fighting against. You're fighting against the imagination of what the potential future would look like. So that's how you grow from this. Quit looking for the certainty and move forward with uncertainty. And I'm willing to bet if you spend less time looking for evidence, looking for proof, and let go of that rumination, and let go of those possibilities, you will find more enjoyment out of life. So, okay, I hope that was helpful, and thank you so much for the question. So I'm going to shift over to the next question. So the next question comes from Nicole. So Nicole says, hello, I really enjoy your podcast. Thank you. And I'll say this to you, Nicole. Thank you. Um, she says, I have a two-part question about SOOCD and exposures. I've been dealing with uh, pure O on this topic with mental compulsions around topics of, quote, what if I'm really gay and, quote, what if I'm really gay and I haven't realized it yet? And she goes on, and uh, what if there isn't, uh, what, if, what if this isn't OCD and I'm just in denial? Sounds very common, Nicole. Uh, she goes on to say, uh, more so than sexual imagery or groinal responses. So, uh, so again, she's having more of these questions. What if I'm gay? What if I'm gay and I haven't realized it yet? Or what if this is just, what if this isn't OCD rather than having just the thoughts or just the feelings? She says, I I'm really afraid I will realize this and need to leave my husband and my family. All right. So the questions come. Number one, I'm currently doing ERP and find that not all exposures that I think will make me anxious actually do. For example, uh, I'm having a hard time with imaginal scripts. They have horrible outcomes. She says parenthetically, really, my worst nightmares. Um, and uh, I'm not feeling all that much anxiety from reading, re reading th them. Why could this be? She goes on to say with the next question. I'll answer the first question first. So, um, so Nicole, um, first off, thank you for listening. Uh, also, so if, if the scripts aren't creating a ton of anxiety, it could be one of two things. It could be more things, but I'll say one of two things. The two things could be this. One, it could be that you have habituated to that or that this story doesn't create as much anxiety anymore now wasn't that the goal for the beginning wasn't that the point of it all so success right i mean wouldn't um michael greenberg would ultimately say uh if you've listened to those episodes great this is the way you're supposed to do exposures is you're supposed to be able to have the thought without giving into or without experiencing anxiety so success from that standpoint right the other component could be that maybe you're not writing them at, to the core fear, to what you're actually afraid of. It may be, it, and this is speculation, right? I have not met you. Uh, but it may be something worth talking to your, your, your therapist about, of, of whether or not you're getting at the right topic, whether it is indeed about, you know, what, what, if, I'm, what if I'm really gay? What if I'm gay and haven't realized it, right? 
meaning uh, maybe it's not necessarily just about sexuality or leaving your husband. You know, I I wonder, I mean, speaking from the the, the previous question, gosh, what, what if it was about making mistakes and just not knowing who you really are? Right? What if it's you living your life and, and, you know, you think you're this person and you have this life and you have this kind of track in life, but you're wrong. What if you never know who you really are, what you really want, who you should be with, right? Maybe it's that. So it could be if, 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 if the scripts aren't getting at your specific fear or aren't creating that, that sense of fear, it could be that you're not getting at the right theme. Now, I'll also say this. Scripts don't work for everybody. I've worked with clients who, you know, we, we write scripts all day and they just, they don't create anxiety. What they respond to are in vivo exposures, is perhaps going certain places, watching movies, talking to, talking to people. All of that can be a lot more triggering than simply doing ERP. Some people also doing ERP doesn't really activate them as much, but but they find the most triggers in more natural incidences or more natural exposures where they're just living their life, talking to their friends, going to work, going to church, going to synagogue, I don't know, wherever you go, and finding that you get triggered there, but then practicing response prevention. That may be a more useful use of your time as opposed to a more effective use of your time, as opposed to, you know, continuing to do scripts if they're just not working for you. That's just something uh, to think about or something to, to chat with your uh, uh, therapist about. So uh, Nicole's next question is, I think you've said that OCD treatment isn't about finding the answer about sexual orientation through treatment, but rather accepting the thoughts and becoming comfortable with uncertainty. I have said that. She then says, does the change or does that change how I should be approaching exposures? I think for a long, long time, my mental rituals have focused on finding the answer, which never gets me anywhere. So, Nicole, you, you are absolutely right. Um, so, yes, if, if you're if you're doing your mental rituals to try to find the answer, which is what a lot of mental rituals are about, it's the, these are compulsive compulsive behaviors, compulsive thoughts. Now, there there can be some disagreement on 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 what pure O is. Um, I'm going to try to have somebody on later on to talk more about pure O and kind of a, a, another way to think about it. But the idea behind pure O is that someone with pure O doesn't have compulsions. They just ruminate. They only have obsessions and they are obsessing on things. Now, I have said for a long time, and I, I at this point in my career, I, I believe this. It, pure O is a myth. It's not a fact. Because it's, it, or it's a misnomer. It's a misnomer because there are compulsions involved. The compulsions are thoughts. The obsession itself is passive. It's this thought that just raises questions. The compulsion is all the stuff that you're doing about that to try to get to the bottom of it, to try to understand it, to try to negate it or neutralize it, or to try to avoid the thought, right? Notice in what you were talking about, you said that you, you had... Um, it's a mental compulsions around the topics. So the topics, I'll say, these are the obsessions. What if I'm really gay? What if I'm gay and haven't realized it yet? Those are simple questions that just popped into your head. Now, they spark this uncertainty. And you went, oh, maybe you've, you've gone, you know what? I'm straight. I've got my husband, my family. It's great. And then your brain popped up with just this thought, this suggestion, this passive thought. Well, what if I'm gay and haven't realized it yet? Huh. 
Could that be true? Gosh, what if that was true? If that was true, things would need to change, wouldn't it? But I don't want them to change. Also, that doesn't sound like me. Well, could it be true? But let me think about if it could be. And then you're off to the races. And now you're thinking about fantasy, imagination, possibility, remote possibilities, right? So then you're getting off into that fantasy. All right. So that's where your compulsions come in is anything you do to try to answer the question or make yourself feel better or to alleviate or to alleviate that sense of anxiety. So you're doing these mental compulsions to, or rituals, as you said, to try to get the answer. You're absolutely right. That is the inappropriate way to do it. If you are, however, doing treatment as a way of, of, of saying, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm going to be open to making a mistake. Now, one of the ways that we're open to making mistakes is about continuing to move forward in the best way that we believe, in the best way that we know how, and we'll see what happens. Now, in an OCD perspective, that means you also intentionally lean away from that, that, that unhelpful, unhealthy mental ritual, mental compulsive cycle. For accepting uncertainty, we, aren't, we, we, we are letting go of compulsions and then living your life. My very beaten down example of driving a car and potentially dying is we, we drive our car. We're, we're, we are open to dying in our car today. And we are open to it because, gen, we're probably speaking, we're not wearing helmets or we're not wearing a cup or patting ourselves or only driving in a car with like race car style cages inside. That would be trying to get certainty, and even then you could die. But it's that um, maybe certainty would be just simply not driving, right? Or driving four feet and then looking back and going, all right, everything's okay. Going four feet and going, all right, I did it again. We're going to get there. And it taking forever. These are weak examples, I, I suppose. Um, but but getting back to it, it's it's how how should I, your question is, uh, does that change how I should be approaching exposures to the question about uh, um, it should be about accepting the thoughts uh, and becoming comfortable with uncertainty, right? So these thoughts are com these thoughts are uncomfortable. Perhaps doubt is uncomfortable, right? So being comfortable doesn't mean then get it, or being comfortable with uncertainty doesn't then mean that we feel comfort doesn't always mean that we feel okay but it means that we decide that we're going to be un we're going to be comfortable we're going to be accepting of we're going to be acknowledging of and we're going to be move forward moving despite this existential possibility of of something happening that we don't want to have happen and it just and that uncertainty that existential possibility just kind of sits next to us or floats around us in the in the what if i mean it's it's kind of like health issues right we could all develop health issues if you don't have one already it could get you um you you could win the lottery right let's talk about a positive one you could but you don't live life as if you are going to win the lottery it's you live life kind of assuming that you're not but it's possible that it could get you now the change there might be positive might be wanted, but it's still, it, it's, we, we, we don't live life with the expectation of that thing. We know it's out there. We know it could happen. We know it might happen, but it's a very, very, very slim chance. And man, you and I are going to keep going to work like it's not going to happen. 
that's the same thing we're doing here. You're going to live your life with your husband and your family in the way that you have decided and desire to live with this existential thing out there. But you're going to live life as if it's not going to get you. It's easier said than done, but it's part of that practice of, of looking at how, in, in what way are you trying to get the certainty? In what way are you getting sidetracked from your path by this possibility? Because that's sucking you into a different path. It's sucking you, or it's actually halting you from moving forward. When you find yourself trying to figure it out, we go, we point it out. I'm doing that thing again. I'm trying to figure it out. I might not know, but we're going to see, and we're going to take a step, and we're going to see, and we're going to take a step, and we're going to see, and we're going to keep on taking steps until we see that we can take steps, and that that thing that we're afraid of doesn't happen. So, uh, Nicole, I hope this was helpful for you. I really appreciate the, this two-part question, and um, and hopefully, again, it, it helps you to, to look at um, both the, your use of imaginal exposures and whether or not you can revamp them and how to incorporate uncertainty into your, into your treatment. Excuse me. All right. Last. This last question comes from Dennis. Dennis says, hi, Kevin. For the past two years, I've had SOOCD. You see the theme, everybody, right? Okay. Uh, they said, um, I thought I was getting better, but it seems like I'm attracted to guys now. And it's killing me. I've never even thought about guys in any way other than buddies. But now, some of my buds I've known for years, I think I'm attracted to now. It makes no sense. I just want to know if I suddenly turned gay. I think another reason I'm having this problem is I read online that being gay is genetic. Males usually get it from their moms. My mom is a lesbian. Please help. So, I, I have heard things like that. I don't think that that holds up uh, to be a fact. Um, I, I, I could look it up, but I also am not going to. The question for you, uh, uh, for you, Dennis, is how do you sit with not knowing, right? You said, well, you said, you're, look at what's happening here as well. You are struggling with a possibility. You're saying, oh, no, I wonder if I'm attracted to, to my guy friends now. I wonder if I'm gay. What if I suddenly turned gay? Right? One, we can say it, it would be unlikely for someone to just turn gay. But we'd also say that, you know what? You're, you're not saying, I, I really am and I'm struggling against, man, I, I've got to come out and it's going to be so hard on my family. And gosh, the people in my church are going to look at me weird. And boy, it's, it's, it's really going to throw off, um, you know, it, it, it's really going to throw off some of my, my, you know, my other friendships. And now they're going to look at me as being different. But, you know, I, I just know this about myself. You're saying this, the obsession is about whether, whether you are or whether you aren't. That doesn't sound quite confident that you are. It sounds like you're, it sounds like OCDs ruminating about this unknown, this uncertainty. Notice that you're, again, you're not asking questions about things that, things that you, you see are here, but you're struggling with the process of what it, the coming out would be. You're saying, oh no, well, what if I am? Because you might then look at some of this very slim possibility. You said, well, now I see that my buddies as, you know, I can kind of see them as, um, or think about my buddies as, as, uh, uh, in that kind of way. Uh, you wonder if you're attracted to them. 
So sometimes what happens with a, with HOCD, with SOOCD, I'm still screwing up the, uh, the acronym or the, yeah, it's an acronym. Anyways, I'm still messing it up. Um, we as, we as people see that other people are attractive. We as people also have groinal sensations. And for people with OCD, they will start to hyper-focus on certain parts of their bodies and they might feel sensations that are there. Now, those sensations that are there don't always mean that, they, that it is attraction. Our groins respond to stuff. You and I are going to see that people of the same sex are indeed attractive. I gave this example of the IOCDF this year. Um, you know, I, I as a, I, as a uh, ostensibly straight man, I, I watch, uh, if I watch uh, Thelma Louise, um, it, which is an incredibly old movie that just says I'm old. If you, if I watch that movie and you watch Brad Pitt in his prime and you don't say that he's attractive, it means that you weren't watching that movie. He's attractive in that movie. Um, I mean, it, it's like him, him. Or, or it's if you haven't seen it, if you but but you've seen Fight Club, same physique. Maybe Fight Club is a little bit more in shape, more bigger, more muscles. Anyways, it's been a long time since I've seen both of those movies. But either way, you're going to notice. But now your brain goes, oh, but what if this thing that hasn't been true about you for forever, all of a sudden is? <gasps> Wouldn't that be throwing your life off? Wouldn't that be horrific? Wouldn't that be terrible? And now let's look at the evidence. Well, you saw that that guy's attractive. Oh, you felt that sensation there. Oh, you you read this uh, obscure article, this obscure fact that is not commonly known to the vast majority of people. All of a sudden, th this thing is now true. So, well, you know, it's got to be true, even though you're going back and saying, why is it? The the evidence of this question and this fight is... is it, it leads me to think that it is OCD and I would treat it as this. But again, part of that, as I mentioned in the previous two uh, questioners, be open to making that mistake and taking a, you know what, we're going to see. We're going to wait until I'm 100% gay. Not kind of, maybe sort of gay. I'm going to wait until I, I know when I know undoubtedly and it stays in all situations and it is just a constant not me questioning it but me being certain if once that happens then i'll question it but until then i'm going to move forward with the relationships that i want and we're going to be open to being wrong now in this case you can also write scripts you can write you can write scripts and you can see how they work i mean they they may they may trigger anxiety for you i'm willing to bet enough anxiety is going to be um gained or going to be um kind of kicked up by just hanging out with your buddies and and having that thought be there what if you're attracted to jake i might be Ooh, brian over there he's i don't know tall he's got brown hair i don't know yeah he's attractive i want to have sex with him yeah maybe and we're going to take a acknowledgement approach of the thoughts. Yeah, those thoughts are there. Maybe everything in my life is topsy-turvy. We'll have to see. And keep hanging out with them. And keep showing your brain that you can spend time with them. You can have this doubtful thought. But that it's not going to get your attention. It's going to get your acknowledgement that it's present. But not your attention as if it's something that needs fighting or fixing or understanding or nullification. So, Dennis, I hope that was helpful. I know that there's a lot more information that I would have loved and a lot more information that we could figure out from this. But I hope the collection of these, um, of these topics has been helpful for you. So, um, 
Uh, so again, to all the listeners out there, thank you all so much. I'm going to slide the music in here at the very end. So thank you again, everybody, for listening. I, I, I it's, it's times like this where I, I do re- I do reflect on and do really appreciate all the listeners out there, and um, it, it's uh, it, it's only my hope that people hear it, and people uh, uh, find something beneficial or motivating or or encouraging uh, in it. So again, thank you all so much for your questions, your continued support, and um, and appreciation for the information. Um, as I've said before, um, if you have a question, go over to FearCast Podcast. If you like the podcast also, um, do me a favor, uh, like it, star it, thumbs up it, whatever it is over at the platform that you listen to it. And even better, write a review, even hit subscribe. All of those things helps, uh, uh, helps boost the show, helps other people find it, and helps more information out there. More questions mean more episodes, mean the longer this can go so i appreciate everybody's uh, participation in this and and everybody's uh, 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 encouragement in this as well so at the very end here everybody please remember that the fear cast is not substitute for psychotherapy if you need some help in your treatment go over to fearcastpodcast.com click on the find help link and there's going to be some information for you there so until next time everybody take a risk challenge yourself and don't take your brain too seriously bye